Shabbat Shalom everyone, Daniel Luria, Ateret Kornim, Parashat Matot, coming to the end of Sefer Bamidbar. Of course, we've started the uh, the three weeks, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. Still haven't reached the nine days, and as of last year, those who remember, a lot of questions in these nine days and three weeks. How do we treat it today? During the exile, there's no question when we're going from country to country, being kicked out, massacred, pogroms, riots. No state of Israel, uh, one can easily feel, sit on the grounds and cry about Jerusalem that we don't have, uh, beyond even the Bet HaMikdash, but crying that we don't have, neither Jerusalem, not a state, and here we are just uh, Jews from different tribes, wandering around the world from shtetl to shtetl, from village to village, and one can cry on, Yom, on uh, Tisha B'Av and understand the halachot that relate to mourning. How does that work today? How do we internalize and how can we somehow help ourselves appreciate that even without the Bet Migdash, even if we do have the State of Israel, there has to be some type of serious mourning with these halachot of semi-mourning uh, surrounding us for three weeks, then nine days, and the week of Tisha B'Av. It's clearly very, very difficult. Um, are there meant to be changes to certain kinot? Do we miss out certain kinot? One clearly cannot be blind to the reality of what we have today in Yerushalayim uh, with tens of thousands of yeshiva students of Torah being learned of our own state, a Jewish state, even if there are Arab ministers that want to destroy the state. That's another story. But look what we have today, an army, a society, a culture, trade, commerce, a success, a light to the nations. Uh, we are a thriving state of Israel. And yes, there is no better Midash and we're still surrounded by millions of Arabs. But it's not like it was before 67. It's not like it was before 1948. Uh, it's not like it was for the last 2,000 years. Interesting question, something that we have to deal with and work out, um, maybe even during these times, and ask ourselves. But first of all, Matot. Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, he, he's been told that he's going to die. And yet, um, he's also been given a mitzvah to wipe out Midian for what they did with the women, what they did with uh, sending in the uh, the idol worshippers, and they have to be wiped out. And he's, he's specifically told, it's just amazing, when you finish this war, you'll be collected amongst your nation, you'll be, you'll gather, you'll be gathered up, you'll be coming to me. Uh, your, your soul, you'll be expired, there is no more, you will die. Uh, you won't be leading the people anymore. Now, if someone knows they're about to die, if they do one more thing, one could imagine a little bit of a hesitation. And I think that's one of the things that makes Moshe Rabbeinu great because he, he saw that Hashem and his role uh, as a shaliach of Hashem far outweighed anything about him at a personal level. And he straight away does, not even knowing that straight away afterwards it's going to be the end for him, he straight away goes out and does what he have to in relation to the war with Mijam. Of course, he doesn't go himself, and that's another story. That's because obviously... You know, where he did spend time in Mijan, even if Mijan is not the same Mijan as like it was when he was, uh, uh, before he became the, the great leader in Egypt, uh, he still was sensitive enough to appreciate Mijan. So he didn't go out himself, even though he could have. Uh, but he organized this mitzvah straight away, once again, notwithstanding the fact that he knew what was going to happen to him after all of this was uh, finished and then they can go into the land. That's the first thing, something very special about Moshe Rabbeinu. The other thing, which is uh, 
uh, maybe a little bit to the negative about Moshe Rabbeinu, and it's very hard to even say that word because uh, it's an, another planet, another level altogether. It, it seems that he got a little bit angry. You know, we, we saw that with the, uh, the the stone of hitting instead of talking. Um, we see it also when he got angry, I think it was with Elazar and Itamar when they didn't have, uh, I think he wanted them to, uh, 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 there was no eating of the Korban Chatat. Um, and he got angry at them also. And then, of course, uh, he was told by Aharon, no, but they're, they're mourning the loss of their brothers and therefore it had to be different. That anger made him forget certain things. And even in this week's Pasha, it seems, according to Rashi at least, that the reason why Elazar, um, the Kohen, is the one who is giving the halachot about the kashring of utensils that they took from Mijan in general, it's the only time that the kashring of utensils is spoken about, is because Moshe Rabbeinu forgot the halacha. And that came about because he, he got angry. Remember, he was angry at B'nai Yisrael uh, that they basically didn't do everything they were meant to do with wiping out Mijan. And they ended up bringing this back and that back and they let this people leave and those leave and they didn't kill all the women and the children uh, and, of course, the utensils. So he was angry. He forgets a little bit. You know, a person shows anger. Suddenly, they, uh, you, know, you, you lose a little bit of clarity. Um, maybe that's even a message during the three weeks. You know, maybe all of us in some format have to work on not just the envy, lust and vanity, which the Pukavot says takes us from this world, uh, but maybe in this week's Pasha, the concept of, of anger, of forgetting, of not having clarity and not knowing how to deal with the other person when we maybe are feeling anger, it's not easy. You know, all of us have issues, whether it be in the family, whether it be with friends, where we feel a certain amount of anger and sometimes things come out of our mouth, which is a problem. And we have to, you know, be very careful about this anger because we don't have clarity afterwards. Uh, and this is a, exactly the period where we obviously, we need clarity, we don't need anger. Uh, we have to work on a little bit of the Ahavat Chinam as opposed to Sinat uh, Chinam, trying to reverse uh, the sin that brought about the destruction of the Bet HaMikdash. And we know very clearly that uh, Many groups, even within the so-called religious, religious, non-religious, pushing, stukim, it was just, it was mayhem uh, to such an extent where, as we know, you know, they burnt the, the food stores uh, because they didn't want to give in to the, uh, to the Romans. Even amongst the Jews, there was an issue, how do we deal with the enemy? So this is the period where this should be looked at. Um, and I'm just mentioning this issue of, uh, of anger. Um, two other short things for the Pasha. Uh, one, of course, the Pasha starts off with uh, nedarim, with vowels, with words. How do we use our mouth? How do we use the words that we've got? How important are words? Words are very, very powerful. They can make, they can break. You, know, you simply say, hurry up, mikudeshitli, and, and you're married. Um, and you can yet you know, say a horrible thing about someone, and that, destroy, that can destroy your relationship with that person. It, it has an effect on the reality. It sets up a reality. So um, in this period of the nine days, or we're coming to the, we're still in the three weeks, of course, but before the nine days, and maybe based on this parsha, let's all of us, uh, maybe on Shabbat, maybe this week, because we're going to forget uh, what Daniel Luria has said, but me, everyone around me, my family, friends, everyone may be listening, let's maybe have a little bit more of a thought before something comes out of our mouth, the milah, the milah that comes out of our mouth, remember the word milah, is, uh, has the words Mal and Hashem, God's name and circumcision. 
So uh, it's a powerful thing, the, the word. It can uh, make and break, as we said. The last thing, of course, in the parasha is the two and a half tribes. We'll only talk about the two tribes, uh, Ruven and Gad, because the Shevet Menasheh really came about afterwards. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted it for different reasons in order to connect up those two on the other side of the Jordan in the place that wasn't really the same Kedushah of Eretz Yisrael. Um, there's a lot's been written about why they, you know, why they did. Was it right? The fact that they came along afterwards. Did they have an, you know, was in their interest to come? But did they really love the land of Israel like they should have? Uh, there's a famous uh, um, you know, Midrash Rabbah uh, in the Bamidbar Rabbah that, uh, that's brought down in the book that I usually refer to uh, from Rav Lichtman, where he speaks there. He brings down this, uh, this Midrash and he says, um, Children of Gad are the children of Ruven. You see, they were wealthy and possessed an abundance of livestock, but they loved their money and settled outside the land of Israel. Therefore, they were exiled first, before the other tribes. What caused this? The fact that they separated themselves from their brethren because of their possessions. Whoa, what does that mean for today? They settled outside the land of Israel. They were more concerned about their possessions. Very interesting. How do we how do we look upon that today? You know, their bond was uh, because of their own financial gain. They neglected all encompassing unity of the Jewish people and they forgot that all of Eretz Israel belongs to all of Israel and that one must see to it that the entire land is conquered. Anyway, it's a, it's a fascinating whole idea about what it means uh, uh, to really love Eretz Israel. that there, maybe there were some question marks with them. Um, but uh, that's basically it for, the, for this week. Covered once again, just to go over things quickly, what Moshe Rabbeinu did, anger. We spoke a little bit about the nine days of three weeks, the power of the word. I wish everyone a Shabbat Shalom. Um, where because it's the three weeks also, this is really the time. I know that I say it around Yom Yerushalayim and there's probably other times of the year that I push people. But for those people who may be listening to this Devar Torah, you know, if the three weeks is a period where we remember the destruction of Israel, in order to reverse that, imagine how powerful it is when you build Yerushalayim. How powerful it is what you're doing to cancel everything about the three weeks, the nine days, the week of Tisha B'Av, when you do something for Yerushalayim. They destroyed, we built. They destroyed nurseries and play centers, we're building nurseries and play centers. So, you know, if you've got uh, a few shekels or a few dollars and you're thinking, what zdaka can I do in this period where I want to try and reverse the, uh, the sins of the past? then you don't go by our Teret Koanim and what we're doing. Uh, one particular project is, of course, the uh, play centre, a little playroom, actually, where we'll hopefully have Chogim for different age groups in the Shiloh Heights. You're all welcome to be involved in that project. And, of course, uh, our Teret Koanim in Israel, and not American friends of our Teret Koanim, but our Teret Koanim in Israel is always looking for those people to uh, be part of the ideological investments. We uh, have a number of apartments that... Uh, need and should be sold off and we'd like to sell them to people who want a piece of the rock looking down on il david and making a huge uh, uh, help for us in this uh, wonderful area called the shiloh heights between malaya zitim and kvaratimanim call to everyone speak to you next erev shabbat